It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to episode 226 of the UK true crime podcast, I'm Adam. Sometimes we hear about murder cases that are so meticulously planned and executed, they can take weeks, months, or even years of detective work to solve and make an arrest. And as we know, some cases are left unresolved, leaving family members desperate for answers. Then there are cases of such criminal stupidity and lack of forethought that the perpetrator is quickly identified and arrested. This, I would suggest, is one such case, but it's a really interesting story. A huge thank you to Hayes, host of the upcoming true crime podcast called Podcast She Wrote, for researching and writing this story. After the weekend, I'm sure that like me, many of you will never want to hear another interview again. But I can promise you that the next UK True Crime Live, with me and Chantelle from the Lady Justice podcast, this Thursday at 7.30, will be a fantastic watch. We are joined by Chris Summers, a true crime reporter who has been there at all the big trials, including Rose West. The tickets are free, so get yours now. Just search Crowdcast Adam Lloyd or head to UKTrueCrime.com to get your tickets. And get your questions ready now to ask Chris and I'll see you there. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially those new members of this most exclusive club. That is Andrea Davis, Amy Killock, Ellie McBeath and B Spitfire. Thank you so much for all your support, which is so much appreciated. Remember to send me your mailing address so I can post you some welcome goodies. And the February competition, which finishes a week today, with the postponement of True Crime Live, is now three awesome true crime books. So just join us at patreon.com slash a UK true crime You've got to be in it to win it. I think that was Socrates. Right, no adverts this week, so let's quickly set some context for the story with our popular Guess the Month and Year game. Top of the UK charts was Bieber with Love Yourself. Adele topped the charts in the US with Hello. And in the Australian album charts, it was Adele again with 25. In the news this month, a gunman claiming allegiance to the Islamic State opened fire at a nightclub in Orlando, Florida, killing 49 people and injuring 53. Led Zeppelin were cleared of stealing their riff from Stairway to Heaven from Band Spirit in a Los Angeles court. And although you may have missed this, there was a referendum where the UK voted to leave the European Union. And finally, the gang involved in the £14 million Hatton Garden jewellery heist that you love that word, dubbed the largest burglary in English legal history, faced jail after the final three were convicted of involvement. I wonder if this is the last proper old school operation like this that we will see. Did you get the month and year? It was January 2016. On with today's story. Georgina Simmons was a very popular school. She was extremely pretty and fun to be around. Georgina began dating Pete Deem, who was six years older than her, when she was in her teens. 
and then when she discovered she was pregnant aged just 19, she moved in with Pete at his mum, Lynn's house, in Newport, South Wales. They had their daughter Emily, and both parents doted on her. However, although she loved spending time with her daughter Emily and Pete, Georgina was still really young, and she still enjoyed going out with her friends and to parties, whereas Pete, who was that little bit older, was happy to settle down. Lynn watched her son and Georgina, and would later say this of Georgina. She dressed like every day was a special occasion, and with men it was like bees around a honeypot. Georgina was a party girl, but Pete didn't want any of that. He wanted a family life. She was always obsessed with her self-image, and that was more and more the case as time went on. Georgina, Peter and Emily needed some more space to themselves, and they soon found a small terraced house and moved in. They were financially secure. Pete had a well-paid job maintaining electric vehicles, and Georgina worked for a loans company. Although the grind of a normal job wasn't what she'd anticipated, and she told friends how she wasn't cut out to work 9 to 5. Hey, tell me about it. This would prove to be true as, lured in by their glamour and excitement, Georgina began supplementing this income, first by working as a burlesque dancer at a club and later working for an escort agency. It was whilst working for the agency that things changed. More specifically, in May 2012, when Georgina, then aged 21, was hired by 49-year-old Peter Morgan. Peter was a multi-millionaire property developer from Abergavenny, not too far from where Georgina was living, and had been happily married to Helen, with whom he had two children. He had a multi-million pound property portfolio, including a windmill. He was brought up in an idyllic location on the 300-acre family farm near Usk, with his parents and his brother and sister. He was driving tractors and a motorbike by the age of 10, and after he left school, he worked for his dad in the family business until he was 34. Money was never an issue in his life, and he was used to getting whatever he wanted. Peter claimed to be a faithful husband, apart from an encounter of a sex worker in Amsterdam, until a so-called midlife crisis in his 40s, when he was shown how to use his new iPhone and realised he could use it to hire sex workers via escort agencies. He enjoyed the conveniences offered him, as he could, in his words, have sex, and then shake their hand and leave. Once he met Georgina, however, everything changed. She was unlike any of the others, and soon Peter was completely besotted. He'd been seeing a different sex worker each month up until this point, but now he would only see Georgina, and the visits increased in frequency from monthly to weekly. He showered her with gifts, including a £12,000 Range Rover and a £1,000 Christmas shopping trip. When Peter was renovating a lighthouse as part of his property portfolio, he paid Georgina £1,000 to stay overnight with him there. As much as Georgina enjoyed the attention and the lavish lifestyle, as far as she was concerned there was no exclusivity and she would continue to see other clients. After all, sex work was a job. It wasn't a relationship they were in together like her and Pete. This infuriated Peter Morgan, who was incredibly jealous to think of Georgina with anyone else. By 2015, Peter had convinced Georgina to become his own personal escort, paying her between £7,000 and £10,000 a month, and in August that year, 
Georgina moved into Castle Bungalow, a cottage in the grounds of Penco Castle in Lanmartin, Newport, that Peter owned. She lived there rent-free as part of that agreement. As time went on, Peter began to share his thoughts and his plans for the future with Georgina. This included ending his 22-year marriage to Helen, dividing his property portfolio so his wife would be financially secure, but ensuring that Georgina would get to keep the cottage. Whilst you've been listening to this, you would no doubt have been thinking that there was still somebody else in this complex arrangement. Pete Deem, Georgina's by now on-off partner and the father to their daughter. Pete was devastated by the turn of events as he felt he lost the woman that he loved. The two had still managed to go on holiday to Africa in August 2015, but Pete could feel Georgina becoming more distant and he fell into depression at the thought of her with other men and of losing her completely. And especially a man as wealthy as Peter Morgan. He felt that he just couldn't compete with Peter's wealth and the lavish lifestyle he could afford to fund for Georgina. And he knew that this was a sort of lifestyle that impressed Georgina. If you go back to Pete's mum, Lynn, she said of this time, Pete was happy to be with her and he earned enough money for them both to have a good life and do what they wanted. He put up with a hell of a lot. I thought she was just a pole dancer and I never knew there was anything else going on. Morgan loomed large in his life every day. He was on his mind all the time. It was building and building in him. But Pete cared too much about me to talk about things. God, if I'd known how bad he was, I'd have chained him to a chair and taken him to rehab. On the 15th of November 2015, Pete Dean went missing after a series of angry text messages with Georgina. And tragically, despite a frantic search for him, he was found hanging from a tree in secluded woodland nearly two days later. His mum, Lynn, said, Pete was loved by everyone who knew him. There were grown men crying in the streets at his funeral. When Pete died, Georgina was devastated and immediately spurned Morgan's advances. She blamed him for my Pete's death. Pete was the love of her life, but she just wanted all the things that money can buy in that lifestyle. Georgina was very immature. At 25, you can still be something of a kid in many ways. But Morgan, he was a hard-nosed businessman who'd been seeing cool girls for years. He knew exactly what he was up to and took advantage. Georgina's friend, Alexi Butcher, put it more succinctly. She said, Rich Pete was totally smitten. He loved and cared for her and wanted a future with her. George, however, was only with him for the money. I don't think she ever cared for him. Even though she effectively left poor Pete for him, it was always her intention to take rich Pete for as much as she could and then go back to poor Pete. It's easy to dismiss this behaviour from Georgina as very unclassy, but who are we to judge how others live their lives? I should also make it clear that in the months ahead of Pete's death, she'd also lost her dad to suicide. What is clear is despite how much she'd hurt Pete, like so many others, she adored him too. And she would have to live with that horrible thought every single day that her actions had contributed to his death. And Pete's death rocked Georgina. It completely changed her behaviour. 
She became increasingly tired by Morgan's ever more obsessive and controlling behaviour and she accused him of being responsible for Pete's suicide. She also blamed him for having to meet social services about the welfare of her daughter and she ripped into him in front of friends and family. Morgan, meanwhile, was bewildered and frustrated by this behaviour and he was angry that even with Pete gone, he could not have Georgina all to himself. Morgan later claimed that Georgina had half attempted to end her life by cutting her wrists in the bath, he said. She was under the water and I pulled her out. After the death of her ex, she was taking drugs and drinking regularly. She was blaming me for Pete's death. She was making me feel guilty and saying it was all my fault. The situation between them was further exacerbated when Georgina began dating a friend of Pete's called Tom Ballinger, who she met at his wake in December 2015. Enraged, Morgan would confiscate Georgina's phone and scroll through her messages. He'd also set up recording equipment in the cottage, including a listening device disguised as a white plug adapter, which he called a total of 514 times. He could hear all her conversations. One evening in January 2016, Morgan was listening to the bugged cottage when he was shocked to hear Georgina telling Tom Ballinger how she was planning to blackmail Morgan into signing over the cottage to her. Then she would move to London and continue working as an escort where there were more rich clients and she could make much more cash. Morgan was distraught at what he heard. He thought Georgina wanted to be with him and he couldn't bear the thought of her leaving. She threatened to tell everyone everything about him and she thought she could ruin him. She said that he kept £50,000 in cash at home that he was hiding from the tax man and that he built properties that hadn't been passed by building regulations. She also had evidence on her phone that Morgan was taking sex workers back to his house when he was still married to his wife. Morgan, who had now been seeing Georgina for three years, knew that she had sexually explicit photographs and films of them indulging in threesomes and even having sex in his wife's home and the marital bed. And he also knew that Georgina had successfully blackmailed at least three former clients. Instantly, he knew that he would be ruined if Georgina followed this course of action and there was only one solution, and that was to kill Georgina. Morgan made a chilling shopping list on a notes app on his iPhone. String, O2, poly, glove, snip, handle, tape, special K, starter, rag, adapter. Hmm, not quite sure where the healthy breakfast cereal comes into it, but let's leave that to one side for now. The following morning, completely unaware of what Morgan had planned, Georgina went about her day as normal. She dropped her daughter at school and arranged to meet her friend Alexi Butcher for coffee after she had picked Emily up from school that afternoon. At about 9.30am, Morgan visited Georgina at the cottage. He confronted her with the evidence he'd uncovered. He'd been listening to her conversations and knew just what she was planning. Morgan then retrieved the baling twine he'd made into a ligature earlier in his workshop and he wrapped it around Georgina's neck, strangling her. As they struggled, Morgan's grip loosened and Georgina gasped, You're going to pay for this. They were the last words she ever said. Once he had killed Georgina, Morgan bound her legs behind her, wrapped the body in plastic and put it into the boot of his Porsche. 
at about 11.40am, Morgan called Georgina's mum to discuss his concerns over Georgina's alleged cocaine addiction. And CCTV picked up Morgan arriving at his home around midday. He removed the body from the boot and placed it in an outhouse on the farm. He then casually went about his business, visiting the bank, picking up some shopping and arranging a skiing holiday with a friend. Morgan would later tell police about that time, he said. I hadn't really planned what I was going to do. I went back to the farm and put her body behind the workbench and went back to work. The worrying thing is, I didn't feel any guilt at the time. He said it was not until he got a phone call saying that Georgina had not picked up her daughter from school that he actually remembered that he'd strangled her to death. And that call he received was from Georgina's friend Alexi Butcher in a panic, asking if he knew where she was. He told her he'd not seen her since the morning, but he would meet her at the cottage and help her look. And at 8.15pm, when there was still no sign, Georgina Simmons was listed as a missing person. During a routine search of Morgan's car, Georgina's mobile phone was found beneath the passenger seat. Morgan told the police he'd confiscated it as he was concerned that Georgina was using it to contact her drug dealer. He was taken into custody and eventually at 4.45am the next day, Morgan confessed to murder and handed keys to officers explaining that they would need them to open the building where they would find Georgina's body. He said he didn't plan to murder her that day. The idea was to offer financial incentives not to blackmail her, but Georgina just wasn't interested, Morgan said. I was hoping she would back down. I didn't want her dead, but I was backed into a corner. I didn't want to give up to a lifetime of blackmail. It had to stop. Morgan was charged with the murder of Georgina Simmons on the 14th of January 2016. The story really should end here. The police had a confession and all the evidence they needed for a conviction. But Morgan claimed he wasn't guilty of the murder on the grounds that he's on the autistic spectrum and was diagnosed as having mild Asperger's syndrome. Just a quick note, I know that the term Asperger's is now frowned upon by people with autism but this is the term that was used in court, so I've just used it here. In court, the clinical psychologist said he was in no doubt that Mr Morgan had Asperger's syndrome and suffered from a black and white mindset which affected his decision-making and explained how his social relationships are not that of a typical person. He said he doesn't like to bother with people much. He made the point that Morgan's preference in real life was to fix up machines rather than spend time with people and his obsession with machinery and military history. And in his home he kept an array of stuff that were excavators, cranes, tanks, an old American fire engine and motorbikes, and he also displayed his collection of guns, such as an AK-47, a Mossberg sawn-off shotgun, and an Uzi submachine gun. Another specialist interviewed Morgan after his arrest and said, I think it was quite clear that Georgina was with him because of the money and the lifestyle he gave her. But he said he loved her. He was quite aware that as long as he paid her, she would stay with him. And if he stopped, she wouldn't. He described it as a relationship, but it's difficult to classify as one. Morgan in court agreed with this, saying, I loved her. I just felt different about her to anyone else. It was a funny relationship. It was never going to be normal by anyone's standards. 
I knew she didn't love me. I always said that if the money stopped she'd be gone but she loved the lifestyle and what we did. She was like a best friend to me. I'd never had that sort of relationship before where we did things together. I loved George. I gave up everything for her. I've been married for 22 years and so I gave up my marriage for her. Morgan explained how he'd every right to be angry that the woman he loved was planning to blackmail him. But to say that this caused him to murder Georgina was ridiculous. The jury didn't agree and Peter Morgan was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 25 years in December 2016. The judge said, You were 54 and she was 25. The arrangements between you were essentially commercial. This killing was premeditated and carefully planned. In my judgment, you must have caused Regina Simmons significant physical and mentally suffering as you strangled her, pausing to speak to her, strangling her again, pausing for her reaction and tightening it again for a final time. She would have realised that you were intending on slowly snuffing the life out of her. After the sentencing, Georgina's mum Deborah said, The death of my daughter Georgina has been a devastating tragedy for the whole of our family. Her beautiful daughter has been left without a mum. Georgina has left a hole in our lives that will never be repaired. All of our happy memories will be kept forever in our hearts. And Pete Dean's mum, Lynn, said after the trial, If Peter Morgan had not been on the scene, my son would still be alive today. All the attention in the case focused on Georgina's murder, but my son was also a victim. Morgan is responsible for two deaths. My son is just as much a victim as Georgina. Morgan has robbed my granddaughter of both her parents. And what of Pencode Castle? The castle, cottage outbuildings and over 23 acres of land that Morgan had planned to develop into luxury flats and office space were sold for just over £1 million in September 2020. So what do you make of what we've heard today? What has really struck me is the lack of emotion that Morgan showed about killing Georgina. When he spoke about it to detectives and in court, there was no feeling. It was like he was strangely detached. And this was killing someone he claimed to have loved. And then poor Georgina and her partner and the father of her daughter, Pete, both victims in this story. All Pete did was fall in love with the wrong woman who wanted different things from him. His death, taking his own life, is a terrible tragedy. As is the loss of Georgina at such a young age with so much more to give. She was upset, vulnerable and caught up in the world where she started to become dominated by money. I'm sure you've seen it with somebody you know too. When they have some money, they just want more and more and more. Georgina felt she was in control of the situation, but she'd seriously underestimated what Morgan was capable of. Was this naivety? After all, multimillionaires who have not just inherited their money tend to have a very ruthless side. And threatening him to the point where he felt he was going to lose it all was surely just pushing him to the brink. Georgina was arguably out of her depth. And her death, it must have been just so utterly frightening for her. Knowing that this man she'd been so close to was slowly taking her life on just a normal morning. I feel terribly sorry for Pete and Georgina, their families, Morgan's family, and more than anyone, Emily. 
who will one day have to hear the horrendous story about just what happened to her parents. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK true crime, please join the 60,000 of us on the Facebook page. And to make the world a better place, and to keep me producing the UK's 37th most popular true crime podcast every week, please just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. So it's all for me for this week. Once again, a huge thank you to Hayes for the story, and I look forward to seeing you next week, or if you're around on Thursday evening, at the next episode of UK True Crime Live. Just search Crowdcast Adam Lloyd. So on that technological bombshell, I just have two more words left to say. You know it. Stay classy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.